now, Talk Zone presents Two Guys and a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys and a Mic on TalkZone.com. And we welcome everybody into the Two Guys at a Mic show. Thank you so much for joining us. Beautiful Monday here in the fine city of Chicago. I was off, I think, uh, three or four of the five days last week, so it's good to be back in the saddle. Two Guys at a Mic show. We'll talk sports and more plenty of uh, interesting games, activities, events over the weekend. We'll jump off the sports page as well. That's what we do here on the Two Guys at a Mic show. The Big Dog. And the coach at your service right up until 11 o'clock. And, of course, the award-winning music of the TalkZone.com. Thank you very much, producer extraordinaire, playing the hits behind the other side of the glass. David Olson on board today. The big dog, we're waiting for him to check in. Our phone lines, of course, open as per always, 888-463-6748. Your conduit to scintillating. Where's the laugh track? Scintillating Sports Talk Conversation, 888-463-6748. Where do we begin after a weekend of busy sports? I think you got to begin at the World Cup. Uh, just unbelievable drama. I think that was the words the announcer used, and they were exactly right. And I know there's still a lot of people out there not sold on the sport of soccer, but uh, don't knock it until you try it. I'd like to talk to someone out there who watched it who really gave it an opportunity and still did not get into it. But the World Cup has got to be first and foremost. We'll talk some baseball, Tour de France, and, of course, the British Open, the 140th running of the British Open at beautiful Royal St. George Golf Course in, uh, not London, England. Where was it? Uh, Sandwich, England. Beautiful Sandwich. But right now, let's welcome in my partner. He's not in Sandwich, England. I don't think he is anyway. Maybe he is. Who knows? I think he's out in Aurora, Illinois, which... Is kind of the sandwich version of that in uh, the in uh, this fine state of Illinois. It's my good partner, the big dog, Joel Radwanski. Joel, how are you? Uh, I was not in sandwich this weekend, but coach, I promise you, at least five sandwiches were in me this weekend. Ah, I yeah. ate a lot this weekend. I had to eat a lot of calories. Added so, a few poundage. Was there any particular occasion for the uh, eating, or just a little binging? No, just life, life in general. Hey, okay. so best day of my life, right? Yes, always best day of my life, Coach. Every every day you wake up, it's the best day of your life. Everything, my friend, everything is a once-in-a-lifetime experience. No, isn't that the truth? Isn't that the truth? So <laughs> I, had least, I had at least six sandwiches this weekend, so oh, ain't a lot. Ain't six, a lot. Or as they say in Chicago, sandwiches. Sandwiches. Six sandwiches. Big dog, good to talk to you. i got to thank you, first of all, for uh, taking the helm and doing the show. I know you went solo on Wednesday and Friday. I apologize. Uh, it was not a vacation. It was a myriad of activities. It was not my usual psychological leave, which is dictated, you know, my my psychological program. i got to take a couple weeks off a year. It's, it's a long story, but at least I'm not wearing an ankle bracelet. But um, it was for different reasons, kind of a little scheduling thing. But I thank you, Big Dog, for taking it over. You went solo, not quite hope solo, but I heard you were very good. Well, uh, I want to apologize uh, to David Olson for having to listen to me for an hour because basically that's what would happen. Yes, I, I tried two different things, Coach. 
I did one show where I prepared for 45 minutes before, which was the Wednesday show. Okay. And, like, I read a bunch of articles and drudge report. I actually prepared like I was a professional. And then on the on the Friday <laughs> show, I prepared for three minutes before the show to see if I could talk for an hour straight. Uh-huh. So, and which, was, uh, I, I haven't tuned in yet. I plan to check out the archive. Which came out better? I have no idea, Coach. I do know that I talked way too fast, supposedly, on Wednesday. That's what I was told by the, mm-hmm. by the myriad of people who gave me critiques. Okay. I was like, wow, that's nice. You guys never critique me when it's just coach on the show. <laughs> well, I'm glad we had a myriad, first of all. It's nice, you know, because that's, that's a step in the right direction. Maybe they were listening because, uh, you know, I was hey, off. Hey, myriad is, a, is one person, coach. Oh, come on. Myriad? <laughs> I'm just joking. Yeah, I was going to say, I thought I had to check my definitions of myriad out here. But at well, any no, rate. I that was, that's her name, myriad. Oh, <laughs> I get it. Sorry about that. <laughs> Oh, you can always get your hopes up. Big Dog, it's great to have you on. Again, we invite the listeners to check it. I would especially like to talk to some folks that watched the World Cup soccer. And if there's anybody out there that watched it, gave it a shot, and didn't get caught in the drama, I'm not going to criticize you. I'd just like to know and hear that those people, because my theory is, Big Dog, I know you're a soccer fan, is that the ones that criticize it are mostly the meatheads out there that really haven't given it a try. But it was... It was outstanding drama once again. The World Cup. Do you know what? Do you know what I've noticed is uh, a lot of times, like I'll hear people rip soccer, they're like you know, football's a real sport. I mean, did you ever play football, sir? No, I didn't play football in high school or anything. <laughs> yeah, but you're like football's the real sport and soccer sucks. But you've never even played uh, American football. I, I find that funny. Mm-hmm. And uh, I got into, uh, I basically somebody was ripping me and ripping anybody who watched soccer this this weekend mm-hmm. and coached this person talked about American football and that was my first question. Oh, where did you play football? I, I didn't play football. I went into this guy like you have no idea. <laughs> I, mean, I think I got up and left. Every, I mean, legitimately yeah. uh, that was like 30 seconds of my best material and I was speaking as fast as I possibly could. I couldn't mm-hmm. even believe the hatred I spewed out on this. Well, don't, don't... It wasn't really hatred. It was just I, I overdid it. I went over the top just to make a point. It was hilarious. Of the guy got up and left. Yeah, but the criticism you got, don't take it personal because there's just you know there's a ton of people out there that just don't buy into soccer. And then I don't know about a ton, but a certain percentage of that ton that don't get into it that will make fun of it and make fun of the people that actually enjoy watching it. But again, I would argue those people. It's uh, you know ignorance is bliss. If, if you try it, a good percentage I think would get hooked on it. Yeah, it was, uh, it, the coach, I'm never going to watch MLS, ever. I, I, I'm not going to lie to you. I'm not going to watch minor league soccer. But the World Cups, whether it's men or women, I'm going to watch. Yep. If the, anytime the, you know, the U.S. men's team is like in a major game, you know, I, I try to watch it. So I, I'm not going to act like I'm soccer boy over here, mm-hmm. but I'm definitely not going to like uh, belittle yep. the sport just because I don't understand it. But you, that's but, usually when people rip stuff, it's usually because they don't understand what that's going on. Yeah, I remember there's a, there's a, a quote that I think is so wonderful, and it doesn't apply to sports, but in this case it does apply, and it's it's a prejudice rarely survives experience. Now think about well, that, and I think that is so true. Prejudice rarely survives experience. In other words, the people that have these prejudices and fears of people that think differently than them, might be a color different than them or speak different than them, Primarily, it's because they haven't associated with these people. Prejudice rarely survives experience, and I think it's a great quote. But I think it also carries over to the discussion we're having right now. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, it, it's, and you know what? If you think about it, 
soccer, the actual sport, has been one of the biggest, uh, like, there's been some awful, awful incidents involving soccer fans and, and prejudice and stuff. And they've gone out of the way over the last 10 years to mm-hmm. uh, get rid of that stigma. You know, and it's, 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 you know, they really have done a good job about it. You know, before every game, let's, let's end racism, all that other stuff. Because you, know, you go to a World Cup game and it'd be a bunch of English fans beating up a bunch of people from Cameroon. You know what I mean? I was like, what? Why? Why? Because you wanted to root for your national team, so you beat up a bunch of people from another country. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, so soccer has faced it, you know, in some sense. Well, and, and you nailed it early, too. You're absolutely correct. Um, that, you know, soccer is one thing, but the World Cup. There is something completely unique about the World Cup, the uh, the fact. Well, sort of like the Olympics. You got it once every four years. You got the best of the best of each country. You got that kind of significance, and it is. You know, you, this almost sounds cliche now, but nevertheless, it is by far the most watched sport in the world. Bigger, much bigger than the the Super Bowl. So you got all that going. Soccer is a great sport, but the World Cup is truly unique. And this year, uh, Women's World Cup. And then, of course, you got people big dog. Not only with soccer, you got people criticizing. You know, not criticizing. That's the wrong word. But um, that don't totally get into the women's sports. So you got both those things working. But this Women's World Cup, if you were a scriptwriter, really. A scriptwriter from start to finish, you could barely have written a more dramatic and emotional script with uh, a tremendous ending for everybody but the United States. Yeah, yeah, and the, the U.S. women shouldn't be too disappointed. No, you know, I'm not saying it's okay to finish the second place because this this team, these ladies, were all about finishing in first. But you know what? They played an excellent tournament. Yeah. Sometimes you have to look back, and yeah, I think they left it all out on the field. So uh, I don't know. It's it's pretty cool. I, the, the, the Japanese story is really amazing when you think about these girls. Only 25,000 girls in Japan play youth soccer. Mm-hmm. And that team went on to win the World Cup. That's, that's freaking amazing, Coach. 25,000 young girls play soccer. Soccer is not a big sport in Japan. There's there's now, over 25,000. Every girl in Japan just bought some soccer shoes last night. So. They're, 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 correct me if I'm wrong, but there's probably more than 25,000 girls that play soccer in the state of Illinois. You're exactly right, Coach. Wow. When, when I heard that, I was just dumbfounded. But, like, that was that was before the World Cup. Now every single girl in Japan is... Because yep. is, uh, they don't have enough land. Like, if you like, live in Tokyo, there's not enough room for mm-hmm. soccer fields. So, like, you have to pay to play soccer in Japan. You have to be rich because uh, there's so little land to be used for, uh, you know, a soccer field, believe it or not, Coach. Mm-hmm. They don't have five acres to put aside to... Uh, let a bunch of eight-year-old girls run around it. Yeah, was not so, aware of that. Was not aware of the uh, limited limited space or the limited amount of players they had to choose from. Uh, Japan did defeat the United States. Went down to the penalty kick. Those that watched it, uh, well aware. Those that didn't, unbelievable game. U.S. jumped up, one nothing lead. Uh, Japan fights it back, gets a goal, one to one. Game goes into extra time. The United States scores a goal. Abby Wambach, their star player, their captain, probably her final World Cup. Uh, the storybook, once again, perfectly written. She scores, you know, what looks like the game-winning goal. I got mad the at the most, announcers, the by the way. lovable athlete in America, Abby Wambach, coach. The most who athlete? Lovable athlete in America, the most likable Boy. person who plays sports in America. You got if you it. don't like Abby Wambach, just go back into your hole that you yep. just came out of. I would agree. There's- Complete class. Even in defeat when she was interviewed, she's as classy as they get, I don't know, likable, I guess, would be a word as well. But boy, you're you are right. She not only played tremendously, but just carried herself as the team leader just tremendously. 
Yeah, absolutely, Coach. Absolutely. Yeah. All right. So, uh, but but the big goal, you know, United States scored an extra time, and again, it was a game of just drama and. Uh, you know, tossing and turning and back and forth and twist. The United States really dominating the game. Early on, Big Dog in the first half, four or five really good scoring opportunities, and they were not able to convert. You know, that stuff comes back to haunt, just like in baseball. You know, you get bases loaded first couple innings. You only bring in maybe one run out of those opportunities. More often than not, it comes back to haunt you, and it did, because Japan somehow, with what, two minutes left, three minutes left? scored the game-tying goal. And you know what? When they tied the game and it went into penalty kicks, I don't know if you looked at the players, but we were done. I mean, you, you looked at the United States at the end of the game huddling up for their penalty kicks and their body language and the Japan team. I, I was not feeling good going out of the penalty kicks. You, you know what? I, I got home last night from, from working all weekend. Right when I got home, I, I watched uh, the end of the Tampa Bay-Boston Red Sox game, which went on forever, Coach. Who won? They played 137 scoreless innings last night. Wow. And uh, so I started watching the game after after uh, got to watching the baseball game. So I watched the whole first half, and then I fell asleep on the couch, and I haven't seen the second half of the, of the football game yet. Uh, well, so, you need to catch it. By the way, who won the uh, Tampa Bay-Boston game? Boston did in like the 17th wow. inning, one to nothing. Wow. One to nothing? Yes. Wow. It was either the 16th or the 17th when they finally broke through and scored. Wow. Was not aware of that. Was not in my late-night papers. Our production staff not informing of that big dog. That's unbelievable. 16, 17, eight, 1 to yeah, nothing. I want to watch the U.S. I want to watch the game. And, and by this time, my girlfriend had let me know that Japan had won. Mm-hmm. And uh, I guess she's not a good American because she was rooting for uh, Japan. But then again, she's half Japanese, so I don't blame her. Yep. And she looks identical to Sawa, uh, Japan's. Oh, is that uh, right? Okay. I, I brought it up before. I'm not kidding. Not only in appearance, uh-huh. but attitude and the way she carries herself. Interesting. Violin, Bring it like everybody around her loves her. I'm not kidding you. That's like it's, I, I watched it and I like it's hard for me to not root for Japan even when they're playing the uh-huh. United States. When I see uh-huh. this woman that looks exactly like my girlfriend was... running around being the team leader, uh, and, and the reason why Japan won was because of that woman. Maybe it wasn't because she's the most dominant player. Really, she is Japan's best player. I don't think there's a doubt about that. Mm-hmm. But uh, the way she carried herself, coach, in the semifinal game, right when they were about to play Sweden. You know how, like, all the World Cup athletes, before they go out there, they they, they walk out with a kid. Yes. It's like men and women. So it's yep. like a tradition. Well, I'm not kidding you. So right before you're going out to play the, the match, I would remember when I was playing football coach, I would be out of my mind, like, legitimately drooling at the mouth. I'm not, I couldn't think right. All I wanted to do was run into somebody at full speed. You couldn't talk to me. Like, if a coach was like, what are you supposed to do on the blah, blah, blah play? I'd be like, Get, just ask me on the field. I don't want to think about that right now. Well, okay, so all these kids are in line, lined up, about to go out. There's a real serious face. She doesn't know the camera's on her, right? So she, as she's in front of her, she stops, and she turns, she goes and starts talking to the kids, the little German kids. So obviously she can speak either English or German or something. Mm-hmm. And next thing you know, the kids start jumping up and down going, ooh, ooh, and, like they start, and then like, <laughs> she starts dancing with these little kids in the middle of a circle. And when they get done, she walks back, to, and it was totally smelling that she walks back to the front of the line, and then she's totally solemn, like she's about to go kill somebody. Mm-hmm. And then the kids start doing the woo-woo again, and she starts laughing. And maybe it's a strange moment for me to bring up, but... No, it's cool, because... I'm ready to, like, honing a knife and ready to slit a throat. This girl's dancing with kids and joking and laughing, and then a couple minutes later, she's out winning the semifinal of the World Cup with, uh, with her teammates. On the grandest of stages in one of uh-huh. the biggest events in the world, she still has the composure or the uh, relaxation even just to be able to 
joke around a little bit and, and have some conversation right before the game with the little kid. That's cool. Yeah, and, That's and, very you know, cool. It, and it, probably it, a sign of their success. You got to play for 90 or 120 minutes. You don't want to be a wrapped up ball. You want to be loose. And, you know, if you're a wrapped up fist, yep. ready to smash a wall, even if it is like the biggest game you're ever going to play in, you know, you might come out like a bullet the first minute or two. Then all of a sudden you're like, what just mm-hmm. happened to me? Yep. You have to relax when you play that game. It's you like, it's like, uh, throwing a baseball. They will tell you if you, you know, squeeze real hard, if you grip real tight, you will not be able to throw it with the same speed. Now, obviously, if you relax too much, you're not going to get much on it. But you got to have a firm grip. But if you're too tense and too tight, you're not going to get the maximum miles per hour throwing that baseball. It's the same situation. You got to be ready to play in sports, ready to compete, but you do got to have a certain level of relaxation as well. Yeah, absolutely, coach. And one other thing I discovered, big dog, and I think you'll be right with me, and certainly your girlfriend will. And quite frankly, but the two of the, between the two of you, I'd rather have your girlfriend with me than you, in a sporting sense, of course. But coach, you could, she would knock you out. Okay, so I would, I'd be very careful. <laughs> but one thing I discovered is, you know, as much as I was rooting for the United States, as painful of a loss as that was, and they don't get any more painful or any more dramatic, it's a lot easier to handle a, a real large-scale defeat if the team that they're competing against is a likable team with a great story and the Japan team, you know, Every one of their players, as sportsmanlike as they came, they played the game the right way. Their coaching staff was outstanding. It was a classy group, and, of course, what the country went through a couple of months ago adds to it. So if you're going to lose, you know, I felt bad for the United States, but but if we would have lost to, like, a Brazil team that was real cocky and obnoxious, I would have yeah. really felt bad. The fact we lost to a classy Japan team, to me, took some of the pain away. Coach, honestly, you hit it right, the nail right on the head, and we disagree on so many things. <laughs> this one, without a doubt, you nail it. Yep. And, and if you just look at the sportsmanship and the play of both the U.S. team and the Japanese team, how many times did you see a, a tackle that was missed and somebody was drilled in the leg? No, they, were, they were so good. These girls were so yep. good at what they did. There was no fouls in this game. Nope. In the games. If you, yeah, if you watch the Japanese team, the whole entire tournament, they would have a foul like every other game. And every time it happened, the player like immediately went to the player they fouled and was mm-hmm. like, I'm sorry, and you could tell it was just like a mistiming. You know, you watch you watch the men's game. If you're watching like Germany play, there's going to be four or five tackles where the guy goes, "Oh, I'm sorry." Oh, you yeah. know, when you know the guy came flying in and just wanted to take a player out. No cheap shots. There was no flopping. You're right. It was a beautifully cleanly played game, and the referee uh, was outstanding as well. Have you ever seen a referee smile more in a game? That's I, I the key. The first half. The referees yeah. were talking about being loose. They were laughing and joking before the game. Too. But it, but it wasn't uh, it wasn't goofy or silly or childlike. It was strategic, smiling. See, I, I took a little different take than you. I think that was the part of her success is she used the smile, sort of like we were talking about before, to ease the tension of the match. She used it at proper times to diffuse any potential situations. I thought her. And again, it wasn't giddy, it wasn't silly, but I thought her use of the smile and a little bit of humor was key to her good officiate. If that makes well, any the, sense. The, the six foot eight chick from um, Sweden and the the four foot three girl from Thailand. Yeah. Okay. When they were joking and laughing, I I, I thought it. I did. Well, I wasn't written on a coach. I really thought it was two. It was like two people <laughs> who were enjoying the moment. Like, uh-huh. hey, we're doing the World yes. Cup final. That's you right. Know? And they were like laughing about it. Like, this is awesome. How much better can this be? Where would we want to be I, right now? I noticed I wasn't, this. I wasn't ripping it at all, yep. coach. I I felt like wow, they were just happy. Mm-hmm. They they were exactly where they wanted to be in yeah, the world. I noticed the same. You're, you're talking about that referees meeting before the game. I noticed the exact same thing. 
I, I never saw referees. Can you imagine like a, a referee before a Super Bowl coming out to the, the poop of their pants? <laughs> like, I better not blow a call today. So these girls are like, hey, we're in the World Cup Finals. You know, so I thought it was pretty cool. By the way, not six eight, six seven and a half. Oh, my fault. I didn't want to make her feel too gangly. Yeah, not four foot three, four foot three and a half, but thank you for asking. Okay. But, uh, boy, just, just great, great stuff. Congratulations to Japan. We may have some listeners listening out there in Japan via the Internet, Big Doll. We do uh, head out to the uh, fine continent of Asia and, of course, uh, via the TalkZone.com airwaves. That's one of the great things of being on the Internet. So if we have any listeners in the Japan area want to give us a call, speaking English is a preference but not a not a requirement, really. You can call we, in and have we a conversation. We, we, we don't need that at all whatsoever. No. You, you know, Coach, just to let you know, we we have uh, listeners in Vietnam still, yes. believe it or not. Yeah. And and from what I'm told uh, from the girlfriend, we have listeners in the Philippines, too. I don't know about Japan, but the Philippines mm-hmm. and Vietnam strongly Excellent. represented from the Excellent. Big Coast. Excellent. Now we got to work on the United States. Oh, but by I'm, the way, when I'm in Vietnam, they can't use <laughs> you can't use my nickname, Big Dog, by the way, Coach. <laughs> yeah. well, why? Will they eat you? Yes. <laughs> All of a sudden, Big Dog's nickname will be Delicacy. <laughs> oh, lots of could feed family with that big boy. Um, by the way, you had talked about how much we agree in the sport of soccer, even the nuances. It's amazing how much we think alike. One vehement argument we got into last week, and I apologize, I did not follow up, but I've got note right in front of me. I'm going to, and that's our disagreement with the popularity of the MMA. I forgot it, to it, ask it's, everybody. It's funny that you said that because while we're doing the show. Yep. ESPN has gone to two different commercial breaks, okay? One of them had a commercial with George St. Pierre in it, and the other commercial was uh, uh, John Bones Jones. Two two different uh, MMA guys right now. Just, just, just to throw that out there, Coach. You, I know you don't think anybody in the world likes it or watches it. If you're a 25-year-old boy, no. you're right now you're downloading, you're on UFC trying to figure out what the next great fight's going to be. Yeah, so. If you're a 25-year-old single boy right now, you might be downloading, but in my opinion, nothing to do with MMA. And I didn't say there's no interest in it. What I tried to diffuse is both you and producer David Olson trying to tell me it's the second most popular sport in the world. and that yeah, 70... no, no, no. In the United States, MMA is more popular than the NFL. For a kid see, between 18, 18 to 30, I am not kidding you, Coach. That, that's where we started to take separate roads uh, because that, that's where I'm we disagree. I'm not trying to say it's the fastest-growing sport in the world, which it is by far, and it has been the last couple of years. For If you're a 25-year-old kid, it's the most popular sport in the United States of America. And I still, George St. Pierre is the, is the name you kind of wanted me to throw out. So I wanted to... Or Anderson Silva. Or, okay. or John Bones Jones. Any so wait, wait, what's his name? John Bones Jones? Yeah, 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 I don't. Okay. John Bones shows is this. He's he's a dude that basically came out of nowhere. He was mm-hmm. a, he was a street kid. Okay, somebody started training him for like three years. That's what I love about the sport because you have George St. Pierre, who's as good as as good an athlete as anybody in the NFL right now. Anyone in the NFL right now, you, he can match up athletically with those guys, running, jumping, uh, lifting weights, whatever you. George St. Pierre can hang with these guys. Then you have a guy like John Bones Jones. Which is pure will. Where this guy is so will do anything. By the way, he's also like six three, really gangly, and he'll kick you in the teeth. Mm-hmm. But it's you know it's I, that's what I love about the sport. You have great athletes, and you just have people that it, it's sure will and, and determination, coach. So good names. Uh, but, I like those guys. If they uh, you know if the NFL players stay on strike, and those two guys want to sign up for our Chicago Bears, I could see a 
George St. Pierre, you know, in the backfield. St. Pierre gets the ball at the 30, 25, 20, down to the 15. First down pickup for Chicago Bear, brand new George St. Pierre. He's a Chicago Bear. Back to pass is Cutler. Almost forgot who the Bears quarterback is. Looking over the middle, John Bones Jones with the catch at the 15-yard line. First down, Chicago Bears. John Bones Jones. I like that. Well, I, I'm glad you brought up John Bones Jones. I, I almost forgot why I brought him up, but uh, I brought this story up about three months ago. But right before uh, one of his major fights on pay per view, okay, this is so dramatic, coach. Sometimes I, I, I think it might have been set up, mm-hmm. but he was in Central Park meditating. Okay, you know, he was sitting in like that yoga position where you wrap your feet inside of your legs and you yep. bend them all around, and it looks lot, totally uncomfortable. A lot of people at Central Park are doing the same thing. Unfortunately, they're not meditating. But go ahead. Is that the lotus position? What do they call that freaky thing? When you kind of sit Indian style, but you, you start bending your feet all around, you know what I mean? I think it's called the simakake. And he's doing the wa-oom, wa-oom. But while he's doing that, a woman is being mugged off in the distance. And he hears, like, help, help. He didn't see it. And he snapped out of his meditation, sprinted towards where he was hearing the woman say, help, help. And this guy was running off with his with her purse and just happened to run right into John Bone Jones, who decides now to take the law into his own hands. <laughs> and from the people there that saw it, that it was just absolutely amazing. So this guy is running away with a purse. And John Bone Jones, who, by the way, may be the most devastating uh, striker on the planet, Coach, decides to give a clothesline to a guy running away, and supposedly the, he clotheslined this guy. He the guy did a total flip in the air. The first went flying <laughs> in the air like 20 feet. This guy lands on his face after being clotheslined, which means he did a total more than a 360, okay? Lands on his face, and John Bochos mounts him, pins his hands down, and like supposedly as calmly as possible said, can someone call 911 and have this man arrested? <laughs> And the woman's like, thank you, thank you, trying to hug him. He's, he's like, could you, could you leave me alone while I leave this guy pinned on the ground? By the way, three hours later, he was winning the championship of the light heavyweight wow. division. Same day. Same day. Same he day. was out meditating before the fight. And people are like, well, how could you do that? He's like, all I did was run a little bit and throw a clothesline and, and, and lean on top of a guy. I didn't waste any energy because people are like, how could you, you do that and then go to a fight? Not that he's I have any... Not that I have any sympathy for a mugger, but uh, boy, that's a mugger with some bad luck. He decided to mug somebody and uh, about fifty feet away is yeah is waiting that's, for you. That's that's not what you want to happen if you're for all those muggers out there. Let that be a lesson to you. Be careful. The yeah, person I mean, meditating who looks pretty harmless might just be getting ready for a world championship match. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, before you mug a woman, yeah. look around. Hey, is there any MMA fighters here? Any any off duty cops? No. Okay, and then you mug somebody. How? stupid can you be to mug somebody in New York? No you never know who could be waiting in the bushes. No question about it. 888-463-6748. Big Dog and a coach reunited again. Big Dog and it feels awfully good. Uh, well, at least I can speak for myself. Yeah, uh, you you want to check in, talk some sports with us, we'd love to hear from you. Again, 888-463-6748. Uh, got a little heat wave going on, Big Dog. I know you are a Health month. We want to remind everybody to drink their fluids and stay cool. Be careful because it is much of the country now enveloped in a heat wave. No, no, coach. I, I paddled twice. I did two tours on Saturday. I led two tours. I was I was pretty tired after the second one. I'm not I'm not going. I said after being about nine miles of paddling. Yesterday 
when I went out, I mean, it was I went through seven 16-ounce bottles of water okay. in two hours. And at the end, I was still parched. That's how much yeah. water went through me. And you were you were on the water, so at least is it a little bit cooler there. But then on the other hand, you are paddling a kayak, which of course is pretty strenuous exercise. Well, not if, not if you actually listen to me and and do it the way I teach people. Then they realize, wow, this is so easy mm-hmm. when you actually push the paddle instead of pull it like most people do. Mm-hmm. So that that's another issue. I'm getting all that, but yeah, <laughs> coach, it was you know if you're down right by the water, if it's really sunny out, I, the, the the light reflects off of the water and will drill you. It's like it's, it's like you get in both directions. So mm-hmm. I don't think it's any nicer uh, on the water, you know, just being, you know, typical, you know, anywhere else. Now, for those that know the big dog or have seen his picture on our award-winning uh, website at www.twoguysmike.com, or I think it's right here on our uh, very own um, uh, webcast here, the big dog, uh, you are of Baldage Head. You shave your head. You got oh, the large oh, cranium. I'm a little worried about the sun factor on top of the chromodome. Did you wear your SPF or a hat? I hope. Oh, uh, coach, I am not kidding you. I go, I apply sunblock almost at every stop, and then I let everybody know who's in our in our tour. Mm-hmm. Does anybody need water? Does anybody need sunblock? And it's funny. Oh no, don't no, no need some sunblock. And then by the fourth, by the fourth time. Finally, somebody would be like, can I get some sunblock? And right when somebody says it, it it's passed around to like 15 people. So it, just, isn't it funny how people are so afraid to be the one, even yep. though I'm keep on it. Just, hey, anybody need it? Here mm-hmm. you go. And then finally, when somebody says, I need some, it's like, okay, I do too. Yeah. I do too. Yeah. It's like, I, a, like a teacher back, I remember in, in the classroom days, you know, a lot of kids would be confused on a particular thing, maybe have a question out of the teacher would ask if there's any question. Nobody wants to be the first one to put up their hand. But once someone does ask a question, all of a sudden, then the next person, then the person after. Sometimes it takes that little kickstart to get things going. Have you had any uh, single females, maybe any middle-aged women, divorcees, that have asked you to apply the sunscreen directly, and do you have any rules and regulations versus that? I haven't had anybody ask to to apply the sunscreen, but I've Ah. had um, repeat business. Uh-oh. If you know what I'm saying, Coach. Okay. Hey, did you do the tour already? Yes, I did. <laughs> okay, so... Really did, they like really, did they really say it like that? Oh, yeah. yes, I did. I enjoyed yeah, it so... so <laughs> you know, like, like my, my girlfriend isn't so happy I'm doing the job anymore. Uh-huh. So, uh, we have... I'm doing a bachelorette party on uh, on August 13th. So, I'm going to... That, that's going to be a tough one, Coach. Uh-oh. So, I did it, and they, they just girl said, hey, I really want Joel to do the bachelorette party, blah, blah, blah. <laughs> And I, and I still, I'm like, are these girls going to be drunk? They promised me no, because I do not want to go kayaking that with a bunch of drunk girls. That happened before, where you, didn't you, you go to a party and there was not supposed to be drinking and there was, and you got yourself in a little bit of trouble, if I recollect. Yeah, I, I have gotten in trouble. I thought you talked about a time when I was really, really, really fit, and um, I was out with my brother, and my brother starts talking to these girls. This is a while back. And uh, the next thing you know, the, the girls, like, looked at me. And this, I, this is when I, like, had abs and I was shredded in the stomach area and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And these girls were like, we'll pay you $100 if you strip for us. My brother <laughs> just kind of laughed. He's like, this, this guy has nobody. So the next thing I was stripping their stuff and dollar bills on my, right in the middle of, a, what, like, a private booth room. Oh, goodness. So I'm, I'm down in my underwear. The monster wasn't too happy about that particular look. I'm not kidding you, Coach. Oh, I paid man. for my car bill by getting down to my underwear in the, and I'm trying to, it was, uh, 
uh, alumni club, the one right on Lincoln, was <laughs> it had happened around 1996 or so. Fairly classy place. Not not the kind of place you'd expect to see uh, a dude in no, his underwear collecting dollar bills with a brown stain down the no. middle of them. No. <laughs> Uh, we don't need the details, but it sounds like your job right now involves a little KWB. I don't know what that is. Kayak with benefits. Oh, no, Coach, come on. <laughs> the best thing is is to keep the clients wanting more. Okay? Ah, yes. You know what I'm saying? Yes. If I actually, if I actually um, succumb to the temptation, yes. first of all, I would actually lose the one girlfriend I've ever had who's actually been nice to me after this many months. Don't do that. Hey, keep her. Seriously. Keep that. Honestly, Coach. She's 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 never punched me in anger, which is which is rare after six or seven months that we've been dating. Nope. Okay. Okay. And, and when she's mad at me, she just shuts up. You know, like like sometimes you know, like somebody will get mad at you and they start yelling at you and you're just you end up hating the person. Mm-hmm. Well, this woman, she's smart with me. She'll look at me, give me the psychopath look, and then shuts yeah. up. And I'm like, oh no, I'm in trouble. Yeah. The quieter she is, the more in trouble uh, I know. I was gonna say she that. Knows how to deal with me, coach? She yeah. knows how to get to me. She doesn't. She's not confrontational, mm-hmm. you know. It's, it's, it's and know. and she looks like Sawa, which helps. And trust me, yeah, Believe that helps absolutely. But uh-huh. uh, sometimes, sometimes it's better if they do yell at you. That that quiet, silent treatment can be uh, can be can be more deadly, as you are finding out. Well, but you know, it's effective. I got to think yes. about the effectiveness of it. Yes. You know, I've I've dated some really nice and real classy girls, but I have a tendency to push buttons on people. Mm-hmm. And uh, when you decide to let it all out and, and tell me how much you hate me because of all the previous things I've done in a week since the last time you had one of those blow-ups, <laughs> you know, I tend to push you away. So this one, I'm like, what did I do? Did I do something wrong? Then I have to look back, oh, yeah, this is what I did. I did this. I did that. So Beautiful. Beautiful. I'm glad it's working out for you, Big Dog. And she is a uh, fine listener to the program as well. She's increasing our, our uh, ratings. That's, that's Yeah, she is. So, like, you, you can't talk about, like, kayaking with benefits. I, I'm not eh, going down that, I'm on, not going down that river anymore, Coach. <laughs> Literally and figuratively. Big Dog and the Coach with you right up until 11 o'clock. By the way, if you didn't get a chance to watch the British Open, Big Dog, and all the viewers out there, you didn't miss much. I caught a little bit of it, but arguably... Arguably one of the most unexciting majors in golf in a long, long time. There was nobody that, I mean, Phil started making that push. Push. He just imploded. Oh, my goodness. I watched it uh, yesterday morning. I woke up at like 8 and just laid. It was awesome. Just laid on the bed in the hotel room and watched some some golf while the person was talking very quietly. Almost afraid to ask, but why were you in a hotel room on a Sunday night? Sunday morning? Yeah. It was because I stayed there Saturday night. I stayed. Uh, I was working downtown, so uh, the girlfriend got a hotel room for us. So okay, I didn't have far to like, travel. Like I said, ever. it was. I was afraid to ask, but I but I had to throw that in there. But all right, so you're watching the British Open, but it, and not even the Sunday finale from Thursday to Sunday, Big Dog. There really there was nothing that caught hold. No big story. No close finish. It was. Uh, I hate to say it was boring. Yeah, I, I didn't watch it, so I really can't. Uh, you know. I, I didn't watch it until Sunday. Mm-hmm. It, it wasn't boring to me, to be honest with you. But I was hoping somebody would make a push. But, you know, Darren Clark, every time Phil Mickelson would make a huge shot, he would make a bigger shot. And then uh, eventually Phil broke. And then Mike Tarico said it so succinctly. You know, if, if Phil Mickelson messes up once, he's going to start messing up again. And that's exactly what happened right after, Coach. Mm-hmm. Phil Mickelson misses an 18-inch putt. Can you imagine? The guy's one of the best golfers on the planet. He misses an 18-inch putt, 
And then after that, he just collapsed, Coach. He, he missed, I don't know how many putts he missed after that. He was he basically tied the leader and then fell completely on his face. So mm-hmm. uh, Bill Mickelson is like one of the best golfers in the world, but he could be a car crash every once in a while. He's Just any tournament with him is going to be interesting because you never know what's going to happen. Dustin Johnson, I think, was the other guy that had a shot at it, but he double bogeyed it somewhere around the 14th or 15th hole, and it was all over. Darren Clark from Northern Ireland does win the final final major of the golfing season, the British Open, uh, Northern Ireland. That's the same fine location, of course, where Rory McIlroy came from. They seem to be the the uh, capital for top golfers right now. But and who's the other Northern Ireland guy that won a 2010 U.S. Open, Graham McDowell? So there you go. So that's what three of the last. Yep. Six majors from Northern Ireland. By a Northern Ireland guy—that's amazing. Pretty amazing. Pretty amazing. By the way, speaking of amazing, back to the World Cup real quick. One of our fine listeners emailing in at uh, www. or not www. at two guys at Mike two guys rather Mike two guys at aol. com. I always get confused. Our website is two guys Mike. Our email is Mike two guys aol. com. But in the last twenty five matches, big dog. Just got to throw this out. We'll get back to the British Open. Last 25 matches between Japan and the United States, U.S. 22 wins, zero losses, three ties. Yep, and then the biggest game they ever played against them, they lose in penalty kicks. Yep, interesting little uh, tidbit of info there. But the British Open is over. The 140th is in the books, Big Dog. And I know you are already anxiously looking forward to the 141st British Open. I am, Coach, believe it or not. That is, without a doubt, my favorite golf tournament. It was for me, too. More than the Masters, more than the U.S. Open and PGA by a billion percent. I love uh, the the British Open. I'm right with you on that. It's my favorite. There's something special about the whole morning atmosphere, the different look of the golf courses. But what I'm saying is this year was just a complete... Mm -hmm. A complete dud. Darren Clark goes. I knew, I knew where you were coming from. Yeah. So you get this great buildup for you. Like both of us had also the British Open. Can't wait. We got to expect something different than we normally get on the U.S. courses. Yep. And I, I wouldn't. I don't think it was as boring as you thought. I, I was. I was into it. I was. Mm-hmm. I was waiting to see if Darren Clark would break, and he kept making shot after shot the last day. So what? Uh, maybe it wasn't the most entertaining golf. Yep. You do have to tip your hat to a guy who played a heck of a round yesterday. And he seems like a cool guy. He's like he's like Mr. Everyman. You know, he just seems like, looks like the normal Holy Joe you pull off the street, put in some, you know, give him a caddy, put a little hat on him, give him some PGA golf for him, put him out on the course. He's just kind of an everyday guy, and maybe that added to kind of the allure of him winning. It was funny you said that because that's how Mike Tirico described him. He's like, he smokes, he'll have a pint, and he stays out late way too often. Darren Clark, <laughs> the everyday man. I think he, he was supposed to start Weight Watchers, I think, this week, and he said, you know what, after winning, maybe I'll wait an extra week. Well, yeah, might as well wait to start Weight Watchers. Ah, yeah, you got to celebrate. got to celebrate. Rory McIlroy, by the way, how disappointed are the PGA officials, the people with TV contracts, that Rory McIlroy did not have a second-grade tournament and establish himself, maybe? As the new superstar, is that a big thing or more more minuscule? Yeah, there, there's a reason why people keep on asking this, the, the ridiculous question: Who's the next Tiger Woods? Who's the next Tiger Woods? Because uh, uh, most people are lemmings and they need to do what everybody else is doing. So if everybody loves Rory McIlroy, more people will love Rory McIlroy. So mm-hmm. it, it, it was kind of it would have been good for television ratings to, to actually have maybe. A, uh, a number one guy in golf that you can point to and say he's the best 
we're all chasing him. Win or lose, even if he has a bad tournament, he's the best player in golf. But, you know, you and I can deal with the fact that we're still searching out who's the best player in golf. And we said it right after he won uh, the U.S. Open coach, didn't we? The first thing we said was, oh, they've anointed him. He said, remember, no, he said, we finally got him. We said, why? Because he had a great tournament? And he's young. I mean, not ripping Roy McIlroy at all because he's a good guy, and I, and I like him. But I, I just found it funny how quickly he was anointed just because he dominated the U.S. Open. Mm-hmm. Well, on the other hand, you use that word special in sports. And if you've been watching a long time, it's hard to put a finger on it. But sometimes you can pick out maybe the potential special athletes. And Rory McIlroy started. Again, I'm not anywhere near anointing him the next Tiger. But there was a if I could use the word specialness about Rory McIlroy in the last couple of tournaments, particularly the U.S. Open, where you thought, unlike a Darren Clark, unlike a Graham McDowell, unlike a Trevor Immelman, some of your recent winners, something about the kid, maybe his youth, maybe the fact he dominated, there was a specialness about Rory McIlroy. No, no, you're, you're exactly right, Coach. There's no doubt about what you're saying. The, the, the kid is 21 years old. He's got a unique uh, explosiveness through his hips as he swings. He's got like a double rotation that sports science was talking about. And only like three golfers on the tour have as much hip rotation as this kid. So, I mean, he possibly could be the next Tiger. I just I just cracked up about how he won the U.S. Open and it was just annoyed that I didn't hand it to him. Oh, yeah. you're, the, you're the best player in the world now. And we laughed about it. We were talking about it at the time. Really, does that – is he? We're like, he might be, but mm-hmm. doesn't it take more than one major tournament to be considered the best player in the world? Maybe it's going to take us a year or two to figure out who the best player is. He Tiger's did. gone. It's not like, oh, hey, I'm, I'm the next Tiger Woods because I won a tournament. That, it doesn't happen that way, okay? There's, a, there's not always shooting stars like Tiger Woods in the Masters in 1997 where your you're, you're mouth agape and you're like, wow, this guy's the greatest player I've ever seen in my life. It's going to take a while. He made the uh, made the cut at the British Open but uh, did not okay. do particularly well. I think he finished seven over, so... Not like he completely bottomed out, but he was not among the front runners down the stretch. Couple other quick notes to get to Big Dog on sporting events. I want to finish up with some baseball talk. Again, you want to join us, Big Dog and the coach at your service. Big fans of the three-way conversation. Notice how I said conversation. Got in trouble last time I said my wife was listening, big fans of the three-way. So I got to add the conversation in there. 888-463-6748. Big Dog, two other uh, sporting events over the weekend. One. The race to Mackinac, a lot of people outside the Chicago area not and not into sailing, not aware of it, but it's the biggest sailing event, uh, I think, certainly in the Illinois area, maybe in the country. The race to Mackinac over the weekend, I know you're a big fan. The weather was uh, very, very good, and the winner was, like, oh, Princess M. I don't know if you bet on Princess M and you're local with your bookie, but the Princess M won the race to Mackinac. I did not bet on Princess M, and if I would have bet on anything over the last month, I should have bet on the Japanese national team because they were my prediction to win the whole freaking tournament. They were two hundred to one. Yeah. I look back now, coach, ten dollars. I could have made two grand. <laughs> Was Vegas taking odds? Could you actually bet on the World Cup? Absolutely, coach. Vegas wow. will take odds on anything. The sports book have odds on everyone. So. Mm. Well, I, yeah, you know, I, I bet, bet you know, considering the Mackinac race was the same. Weekend is the British Open. I put my money in the. Uh, I always like to bet on the Mac. You know the race to Mackinac makes sailing somewhat interesting. I put again connection with golf. I put my uh, money on the sailing boat that was called Hole in One. I thought with That's the golfing connection, but then I realized about halfway through when Hole in One was nowhere near. Probably not best to bet on a, a boat with the name Hole in One. 
Yeah, I bet on the I bet on the the Eastland coach. It was it was doing pretty well. Then it capsized, and I was a little worried, and then knew I was going to be all wet. Oh goodness. Uh, oh, oh, now we got to mention real quick the Tour de France as well. I know you're a big fan. It's 15 stages down, Big Dog. We are the only radio station that gives you a stage-to-stage stage coverage of the Tour de France. 15 stages down. We're over halfway through the climb to the Pyrenees, the big climb, the one that separates the men from the boys, the notes from the noise is about to begin. Right now, they're your leader wearing the yellow jersey, Thomas Volkler, by a minute and 43 seconds. Big Dog, the Tour de France continues on. Uh, I, I gotta tell you, when at three o'clock in the morning, there's nothing better than the Versus Channel and watching some some guys pedal through the Pyrenees, coach. Well, there's a couple things better, but I think you got to pay eight ninety nine for those. So for the free channels, you might as well watch a Mark Cavendish winning the uh, stage. I think those those same things are like ten ninety nine now, coach too. Well, I'm in the discount program. They things you. things are cheaper with quantity, big dog. There's a special package you can get. I'll talk to you after the show. Oh, that's good to know, Coach. <laughs> uh, but, uh, Mark, I guess there was a sprint to the finish, pretty exciting finish to stage 15. But the, I think the most excitement is going to be as they cross the finish line after the 24th stages, and they're greeted by their fans, by their family, and, of course, by all the doping agents out there. It's really a dramatic moment. Yeah, that's that's awfully good, Coach. I mean, <laughs> I mean, these guys, I mean, immediately when they get back, you know, these guys are going to, oh, you see some guy in a suit hugging somebody. He's really injecting a needle in the back to clean out their system because they're about to get drug tested after they win. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's part of the event now. Yeah, th- why not? I think the doping agents have to actually register. They've become celebrities now. I think next week David Letterman's got one, not one of the bicyclists, but actually has one of the Tour de France doping agents scheduled to be his late-night guest. They're the most important. I mean, seriously. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You're like It's like Hendrix Racing. Whoever has the best doping agent seems to have the best chance to win it. You know what I mean? Forget Jimmy Johnson and Jeff Gordon. And, I mean, it, it, it's, it's Hendricks racing. You know, so it's the same way with the doping agents. They mm-hmm. just have to be a little bit more low-key about it, Coach. No question about it. Let's get to some baseball real quick. Again, Big Dog and the Coach up until 11 o'clock. We'll be with you all week here. By the way, I'm off Wednesday, Big Dog. So if you want to go solo again, I am headed to uh, Purdue University for a little college visit with my son. We'll miss Wednesday's show, and um, I'll see if I can meet with the – who's the head Purdue football coach right now? Mark, what's the guy's name? Rice, no. Uh, Danny Danny Hope, right? Yes, Coach. I like that he, guy. He's from, he came over from with Bowling Green. Yeah, solid. You know, they haven't won, but sometimes there's good coaches that haven't produced victories yet. I would argue that and I'm going to meet with this guy, and I'm going to bring a tape of this show. i got to compliment him here. Danny Hope is one of those really good coaches – who has not had success yet. That's the operative word. Yeah, Purdue has had, they've had some bad recruiting classes the last couple of years. So they haven't really had, had top-notch mm-hmm. Big Ten-like talent. So Anything while I'm there on Wednesday? Any uh, thing you want me to do at Purdue? Any I could look out for you a little bit? Any places you want me to check out at the beautiful campus in Lafayette? I want you to uh, go past uh, the, 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 we call it the, the all-woman sorority there, the Rama, Rama, Rama. Okay, coach. <laughs> and uh, I just want you to just scream at the top of your lungs, "Pew!" <laughs> and then just keep is walking. It, is it Rama, Rama, Rama? I thought it was Phi Alpha Rama. I lose track to be quite honest. Right okay. after the Rama. <laughs> All right. I'm glad you gave me that advice. I forgot to remind you, my wife and my son will be with me. 
they can chant PU too. That's the, the, the might as well get them into it, make oh, it a whole yeah. family adventure. Sure, it will be a big hit. I'm sure we'll be invited back after that visit. So are you leaving the younger son here in the in the great city of Chicago? We are. The younger son has no interest. As much as I told him, we visit the basketball. He's my sports fanatic son. You know, we visit uh, you know the basketball stadium. Had no interest in wasting a day. He wants to be with his friends instead. So. I can understand. Yeah, what I can, can understand. What can you because, do? Because uh, trust me, it's not that he doesn't want to see uh, the stuff at, at Purdue University. Mm-hmm. The idea of having his like a day to himself as you know, 15, 16, 17 year old that was like that was like there were there were like I remember one day acting like I was going to school on on one of our scheduled days off. It was mm-hmm. like a, a casual Pulaski day, so my mom really wasn't aware that there was a day off in school. Yep. So I remember I dressed for school, left, and acted like I went to the bus stop. Bye, Mom! I'm going to get your lunch money, Joel. No problem. Because if I would have been at home that day, my mom would have made me do all kinds of chores around the house, all kinds of stuff. It would have ruined my entire day. So I used to actually, on days off that my mom didn't realize that school was not in, in District 99 <laughs> or 68, that I would actually act like I was going to school just so I wouldn't have to do housework. <laughs> So I, I cherish days that I could actually get to myself when I was 15 years old. So, And she never, up until now, when you've divulged it on uh, world-renowned Internet Sports Talk Radio, the two guys at a mic show, Mom never figured that out? Um, she may have. I don't think she did, though. She normally figured out all the stuff I did wrong. Okay. But she didn't figure that one out. So, so. <laughs> did she figure out some of the stuff you did right as well? Well, I remember one day I was messing around with one of my buddies, and mm-hmm. I bought a bunch of oregano and was going to act like it was marijuana, okay? And she found it, yep. okay? And she grounded me. She's like, and you're an idiot. This is the worst marijuana I've ever seen in my life. And I just started <laughs> laughing. I didn't want to tell her that I was, like, going to jokingly sell this to one of my buddies, you know? And because and, like, I was, like, 14, you know, and he was like, Oh, you Joel, Joel, can you? And I was like, I don't know where to get it. So we like my buddies. I was joking. I was like, here's some oregano. So we went to the market, got it, come home, and I put it down in the kitchen. My mom comes home early and she freaks out. And then it was just so funny because my brother and her were like, this isn't even any good. And I'm like, yeah, no, it's oregano. <laughs> so, oh yeah. Uh, mom's finding all this stuff about. If your mom's not listening, she really should be because she can find out a lot about her son that she might not have known about. Hey, real quick, Big Dog, let's touch the baseball world. I know your beloved Chicago Cubs, things have gone from bad to worse. 20 games under 500. They have lost, dog, eight consecutive series. Eight consecutive series for the Chicago Cubs. Tough, tough way to go. Mike Quade showing his frustration. I don't, we're not going to break down all the games. It's tough to analyze. Uh, I don't know what else there is to say, except you just got to play the young players and hope for any positives you can get out of this season. Yeah, you know, that's... I, you know, I say that only a really, really true cup fan gets what I'm, and understands what I'm saying. I'm like, this could really be a, a positive year for the future of the Chicago Cubs. Finally playing young players for the first time. Actually, uh, maybe selling off some of your overpriced, uh, veterans to try to get some young talent in here and, and change this whole, this whole thing that's going on with the Chicago Cubs. But there is, there, I still want them to win. And 63, I know this is embarrassing and this sounds like a backhanded compliment. It sounds like I'm making fun of the team, but 63 is the magic number for the Cubs. They would be 36 games below 500 if that happened. So they oh could still be six, but I do not want them to lose 100 games, coach. And they can lose 100 games the way they're playing right now. They're right around 100 game pace for losses. That is, that cannot happen. Okay. 
as a cup, and I don't want to deal with that. So 63 no. wins. Yep. They have to get 63 wins this season. Uh, you got to have goals to shoot for. That's not a very high one, but uh, maybe one the Cubs can try to achieve. What, what game was I watching? First game back from the All-Star break. So what do we got? Thursday's game. I thought, you know, second half of the season, new start. Let's check out some Cub baseball. Listening on the radio, you know, fifth, sixth inning, Matt Garza's pitching away. We got a little shutout game going into the seventh inning, two to nothing late. Okay, I'll come home. Tune in the last couple of innings. Again, second half of the season, fresh from the All-Star break. Maybe the Cubs get on a little bit of roll. Sean Marshall does his job, shuts the Marlins down in the eighth inning. Sit down with my nice bowl of cereal, late-night snack, ninth inning. Carlos Marmol comes in. You remember this game, big dog. Walk. Again, 2 nothing late. First game back, chance to start anew for our beloved Cub and your closer. Walk, walk, walk. 13 pitches, by the way. If you're keeping score at home, that's one strike out of the three batters. Triple, another walk. He's out. Kerry Wood came in. I was the one who told you Kerry Wood is done, folks. I love Kerry Wood, but he can't get people out. I saw that even early in the season. He walked, or no, sacrifice fly, another double, six runs, and it was like, well, here we go. And it was a chance, dog, to start the second half the right way, and Carlos Marmol was just completely obliterated. Well, you know, maybe he's one of those closers. I, I talked about it on Friday that uh, uh, next year when the season starts, I want Carlos Marmol to be the closer. Mm, of the I'm not. I'm not ready to say that yet. I, I, all I know is this: is when they have been good, Carlos Marmol dominated in 07 and 08 in clutch situations. Now this team is garbage, and he, I, 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 it's like one of those things. You know, you bring the closer in when there's a, a four or more run lead, and it's not a safe situation, and they get blown up. Well, Carlos Marmol might be one of those guys that really needs uh, the intensity and being in a clutch situation. I want a closer that gives me the C. I have what I call the CLT, the comfort level test. And again, it's not statistics. It's not something well, written. It is when I'm Carlos Marmol was as good as any closer in the game of baseball. Yeah, um, I'm not ready to go that round. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was. Coach. He had his moments. He, he had one of the most dominant in, in 2008. He had as dominant of a season as any reliever has had in the history of the Chicago Cubs. He had averaged 16 strikeouts per nine innings. It's a major league record. He had an ERA below he's, two, but he still okay, had some so, blown saves in there. So did Mariano Rivera. There's only been one pitcher that ever that had a perfect season. His name was Brad Lidge, and every other year of his career, he sucked. So yeah, yeah, the way again. you treat relievers is ridiculous. A guy blows one save and you, you don't think he's a good No, coach. no, no, not one save. Now, he's been messed up for about a month now. now again, no, no, I'll no, go no, back to how do I feel. He absolutely is the sure, but I'm, I seriously am attributing to the fact that this team is out of it. Honestly, Coach, I, yeah. Carlos Mamal is a guy that we need to keep in the organization. Okay, a, a rough stretch does not mean you get rid of the kid. And I, I truly believe it's because... I didn't say get rid of him. All I said is I disagreed a little bit. I'm not ready to anoint him. My closer next year, and I will continue to say when I sit back in my chair with my bowl of chocolate check cereal to watch the eighth and ninth inning of a game or the ninth inning, how do I feel when that closer comes in? And right now when Carlos Barmal comes in, I still feel on age, on edge, I should say. I want to feel comfortable. And he really, quite frankly, the only time I felt comfortable with the Cub closer is a long time back, and his name was Bruce Suter. And well, you're talking about one of the greatest relievers of all time, but well, the but Cubs have, you know, I, mean, I still think you're way too hard okay. on closers and stuff because the Cubs have had some really good closers over the last 20 years. Yeah. I mean, you think Lee Smith isn't any good? He's the most. 
Overrated. Uh, Overrated. He was still ahead more plus one inning uh, saves than anybody in the history of the yep. Chicago Cubs. Hey, we got to get out of here real quick. Got to mention the Texas Rangers Big Dog 11-game winning streak. Hottest team in baseball right now. And I'm going to totally admit I was totally wrong about the Rangers, Coach. thought they were going to fall on their face. The thing was the real deal. So they're they're World Series contenders again this year. Yep. They're chasing, uh, or my Anaheim Angels are chasing but four games back right now. All right, we'll do it again tomorrow. Big Dog, great to catch up with you. Thank you again for going Hope Solo on Wednesday and Friday. You did a tremendous job. You're the best, Coach. Later. By the way, Hope Solo in shorts, I still, I've never appreciated an end zone angle as much is with the United States goalie, Hope Solo. I want to thank all the World Cup participants for putting on a phenomenal show. It really was. I know the United States didn't win at all, but they put on a tremendous performance. Japan, congratulations. All right, we'll be back at 10 o'clock tomorrow. David Olson, thank you. Two guys at a mic, signing off. Have a great day, everybody.